Um, so David was here for four years uh, as our worship leader before he went off to San Francisco to help us plant a new church uh, there. And he's also here today because uh, he now works uh, for Compassion International, and he's the Northwest Church Rep. Is that your official title? It helps the churches in the Pacific Northwest uh, do what we're going to do today and get connected with Compassion, their ministry, and children all over the world that just need a jump start and connecting churches' desires uh, to touch the world with those needs that are in the world. And so now he's working for them. And he's uh, home for Thanksgiving. So I said, hey, we're going to have our Compassion Sunday, uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Why don't you come and help us with it? And so you're going to be hearing more about that from now on through the end of our time uh, together, including we took the time that we would normally spend uh, with, a, with an official sort of formal sermon, and we're doing something creative today. So our sermon today is coming in the form of stories. And I want to encourage you, let the stories get to your heart because they are Word of God stories. They are application of, of Scripture stories about the Holy Spirit coming and touching and leading and guiding. And they're really about people going deep, going all the way in their faith uh, in different ways. So we invite you to, do, to learn from that sermonic experience today that's coming in the form uh, of stories. Let's get started by giving you just a quick orientation with a, a, a very quick uh, a video. There's a longer version of this. This is a two-minute version, but there's a nine-minute version. If you're interested, that kind of tells the whole story of our trip that's been nicely put together, nicely done. If you're interested in that, let us know and we'll send that to you. It's going to be, I believe we're planning to put it on the Friday Blast and maybe on the webpage. We're not sure yet. But here's just a little sampling and what you're going to be seeing. The purpose of our trip was to find people who have already sponsored. We have 150-ish, 150 or 60 children that are sponsored around the world, mostly in Kenya, just from our fellowship. And some of those folks have been saying, I want to meet my child that I'm sponsoring. Let's set up a trip to do that. So 12 or 13 of us went to Kenya a couple weeks ago. You heard about that. And what you're going to see here, what the purpose of the trip was to meet your child. And so for the first time, people who had been sponsoring some of, sometimes for several, several years are meeting these kids face to face and give a little taste of what our trip was like.
Yeah, there's nine minutes of stuff that our son Josh put together. That He was our official photographer, so if you want to see a longer version of that, let us know and we'll send it to you. But isn't that cool? My favorite scene, and it was actually one of my favorite moments, come on up, guys, uh, was, was when Michael Hill... His, his child saw him and ran and jumped into his arms and almost knocked him over. I mean, that, that's just a perfect picture of the kinds of things that we experience. So we've asked, uh, I've asked three of the people that were on that team just to come and share a bit of their experience. Remember, right now, we're starting a sermon through story. Let the story get to your heart through people that you see every week. So uh, Arv, Kretz, you guys uh, have sponsored a child for some time. And then on this trip, you actually added, you heard more children, more people needed, uh, more children needed sponsors, and you and Barb added a child and met him for the first time here, right? Tell us about that. That decision was made by Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I support it 100%. Uh, if she were here, she's ill today, but if she were here, she would probably say something like this. She would say, uh, there's no evidence of special maturity uh, or um, signal from God to do this. She looked at that picture, and her heart melted. And so how can you say no to that? Uh, and so um, one of the questions I think Art wanted me to, to answer is what changed um, based on the trip, and, and one thing that happened is that I become quite an evangelist for Compassion International. So the closer you got, the better they looked? That's exactly yeah. right. That wasn't necessarily true of you, <laughs> but it was true of Compassion. It's such a gift of encouragement. <laughs> but um, the girl that we sponsored now, um, one and a half years old, we met her and her mom while we were there. Uh, and come to understand that Compassion reached out to that family while um, she was pregnant, six months before birth, providing counseling for prenatal and then uh, early infant education. Uh, and so uh, now by one and a half years old, they've been waiting one and a half years for a sponsor, knowing or hoping that one would come. Fortunately, Compassion does not reach beyond their expected capacity for, to find uh, people like you to, to sponsor a child. But uh, November 7th, 2018 was her day. Thank you. God sounds like God touched her. Adrian, now Adrian is our, she was our tender, here you hold this. Oh goodness. She was, Adrian is such a tender person. She came with like 15 backpacks. She had to hire people to carry <laughs> the extra backpacks and all the gifts and things she brought for her children. Your table on that scene when we were all meeting our kids the first time, that was the party table over there. <laughs> I mean, uh, because this great, great, tender, tender heart. She was saying this morning, I'm afraid I'm gonna cry. And I said, they're used to Jeff Mazzarello, they know about crying. <laughs> Isn't it funny how um, when you're sad you cry, but when you're happy you cry? Yeah. So I don't cry out of sadness or or any sort of sorrow. It's, it's sheer joy and happiness and the Holy Spirit. And um, when... Oh, close. Okay. I should know how to use a microphone. I'm a voice actor. <laughs> Maybe I need to hold it like this yeah. for you. There you, know? you go. That's... <laughs> uh, when, when Compassion came seven, eight years ago, whenever that was, 
I thought it was really, really important for my family to sponsor some children. And you look at the pictures and they're all beautiful. And how do you pick which one? You just say, God, just send me to the right person. And it was so important to have this experience with my family. And of course, I could be the only one to go from my family this time. Uh, and when I actually met my children for the first time, uh, it, it's just, it's hard to have the words. This 2D picture is flesh and blood and and joyous eyes and tears and a family and a community and a country and what i saw from my experience in in africa was that i was providing hope to this child mm. i was providing hope to her family I was providing hope to her generation, and I was providing hope to her country, but I was also providing hope to my children mm. and that generation and our country. And how can I not just be overjoyed by that experience? So when you saw, when your eyes met for the first time, what was going on in you? Like, yes, this was a good decision. You know, or I, or I shouldn't have done this. Wasted yeah. 38 bucks no, a no, month. No, no, no. So. I didn't have the experience that Michael had where she ran and jumped in my arms. My, both of my kids that I sponsor there um, were very shy. And part of my experience was like, do they like me? Um, but it, it, was so, it was so worth the experience. Like, I can't even say that the money, everything, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was so worth the experience. And I'm going back to Africa. I'm taking my family. They're excited to go. And the kids, the, you, the one thing they ask me is, will you bring your children back? So it's a, it is truly a family oh, experience. Fantastic. And I'm so blessed. I, I just, it's hard to find the words. Yeah. Well, you did well finding them. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, Kate, yeah. uh, Kate slash Karen. <laughs> uh, Sorry about that. Here, take that. Um, here's something that stood out. <clears throat> for me, the emotional, familial connection. It, you referred, when you met your children, I mean, they were all over you, and especially all over Jens, you know, because he's they're looking up at him uh, and wondering which team he played for, you know. But um, you guys actually referred to your sponsored children as your sons, as your mm -hmm. children, uh, in the same context as you were talking about uh, the children to, to whom you gave birth. Mm -hmm. Talk about that rich connection that family connection you experienced with them? Um, <clears throat> Jumbo, everybody. Um, I just had to say that. That's hello in Swahili. And um, I, just, I just so fell in love with the Kenyan people and, and the culture there. But um, So we've been sponsoring uh, children through Compassion for about 20 years, mm -hmm. probably over 20 years. And, um, you know, the relationship starts... Well, for us, it started, they were a very young age, and um, our first child was in the Philippines, and we sponsored Jane for 10 years, and then, um, you know, over that period of time, you're write, writing letters back and forth, you're corresponding, you're sending pictures, you're learning about their life, you're learning about their families, what they love, their struggles. Um, so the way it worked for me was I would just write letters every quarter, and um, send photos, and um, 
you get connected with these kids. And they do. They become part of your, your family. They become part of your, um, your prayer life. You, you make this connection and, and um, you, you get anxious to hear from them. Oh, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how their family is. They, um, you know, sending prayer requests and praying for specific needs for them. It, they, they just become part of, of your, your life. So what was it like? What was it like for you to see them finally after all these, uh, all this time sponsoring them? It looked like it was pretty powerful because they were all over you. It was, it was pretty amazing. I mean, for me, it was a dream come true, really. Um, I had always felt good about this ministry, this organization. Um, just me coming from having, I had a mentor when I was young and I thought, gosh, I can do this for these kids and and I can write a letter, you know, once in a while and send some pictures and, um, you know, uh, but after that period of time, you're like, I've got to meet these kids that mm. I've developed this relationship with. And um, when we saw them, it was just like, okay, this, this is where it's at. This is real. This is, this is making an impact. This small whatever it is, $38 a month, I can, you know, a letter every now and then. Um, this, that small offering is just making the most significant yeah, so impact yeah. that I had no idea until I got there and I saw it with my own eyes. And it completely affirmed how I've always felt about Compassion International. Like, they are doing it right. And uh, working within the local community to see the needs, the specific needs of those kids in that town, mm. in that region... And they're 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 making it happen. Yeah, and we they're get changing to be lives, with them. and we get to yeah. be partners with them. Fantastic. Well, thanks you guys. Thanks for sharing your stories, and uh, they want to share more. So if you see them around, ask them. So one of the things I'm pretty sure you must have picked up on is, uh, you know, there are missions organizations. Frankly, uh, that let me put it more positively. They're, not all mission organizations are as efficient and effective as others. They're all well-intentioned, every one of them. But uh, compassion, as you get actually into the sort of guts of an organization, sometimes it, oh, you're a little bit disappointed. In this organization, me as a missiologist and pastor, all of us as pastors, the closer we get, the better it looks. It's actually encouraging. We look when we say, this actually is making a difference. The child that I sponsored, I'm the only sponsor they have. It's not 15 people to the same packet. That's why I can build this relationship. And so I was talking with our son David and said, hey, we're going to do our Compassion Sunday, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, can you lead it? Yeah. And then he said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if you guys, if we're in covenant, could actually have a guest and that guest be a person who has come through the program that started as a little guy whose face was on one of those packets one day in a church, who has now come through and God has really blessed his life and have him come and tell the story. And he said, all of the Bayside churches, which there are how many Bayside churches? I don't know. Seven Bayside churches with 150 million people going to them are doing their Compassion Sundays on the same Sunday as us. And so it's going to be hard for us to get uh, one of those guys assigned. But David said, I'm going to try to get us the very best one and my favorite one, and he did it. And so you hear the stories of people who saw compassion and met their children. 
We want to introduce you now to somebody who actually was one of those children, is still in a great relationship with his... Well, I'm going to let him tell you the story. So uh, would you please welcome Kennedy Cressy, who is from... Yeah. Barefoot until the age of eight from Kenya and is here to tell you his story as a graduate of that compassion program. Amen. God bless you. Brother. God bless you too, sir. Morning, church. Morning. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks, David, for <laughs> considering me your best. <laughs> so you guys are in for a treat. Amen. Amen. As you heard, I'm from the continent of Africa, the country Kenya. I think you guys missed that. I'm from the continent of Africa, a country called Kenya. The reason I say that twice is because a few times people walk up to me and they're like, hey, Kennedy, you're from Africa? I have a friend called John. Do you know him? <laughs> I guess I should know <laughs> all the Johns in Africa. I'm just from one country in Africa. I was born in Kenya. I was born in the capital of Kenya, which is called Nairobi. Actually, some of that video is in my neighborhood. I could see a few places I resonate with. Um, Nairobi hosts about eight slums. The largest slum in Africa is in Nairobi. It's called Kibera. The second largest slum in, Ni in Nairobi is called Madare, which is where I was born. Madare, in literal terms, means to fight, to scramble. You have to fight for everything. You have to fight to survive. You have to fight to fit in the society. You just don't belong unless you fight. Madare is a place of hopelessness. It is believed that when you're born in Madare, your life is scripted. A typical boy can only live up to 16 years of age before they're dead. By the time you're 11, you get into crime because the rest of the society doesn't care for you. You try to fight, you try to be Madare, and you end up doing the wrong things and you die. A typical girl can only live up to 13 before they become moms. When they're 26, their child is 13, they are grandmas. When they're 39, their child is 26, their grandchild is 13, they are great grandmas. By the time they're 52, they've seen four generations of their life. And this is what just builds up into the cycle of poverty. Madara is about five square miles, hosting about a million people. It is very congested. It is hell. It is not a place you're proud to say you're from. In fact, if I was in Kenya right now and I said I'm from Madare, you'll see a, a different reaction. Everybody would be holding their purse and their phones and their wallets to make sure they're still in their pockets. Usually we round off where you live to the nearest rich neighborhood. You don't say you're from Madare. You say the I'm, I'm south, the rich neighborhood around there. Because it's not a place you want to identify yourself with. Nobody cares for you. Nobody wants you around them. You stink. You're hopeless. You're bad. You're the worst of the worst. And that's where I grew up. A typical home in Madare is about, has about five kids and two parents. Luckily, my parents were super extra hardworking and got themselves 10 kids. <laughs> and I'm baby number 10 of my parents. A typical home in Madara is about 10 square miles, uh, 10, not square miles, but 10 by 10, 10 square feet. So these five people, or rather in our family, these 10 people, 
lived in a 10 by 10. Even my hotel last night was bigger than the home I grew up in. Going three, four, five days without a single meal was so normal. I remember when I was little, I didn't have lunch to school every day. And what I did is I took an, a, an empty grocery bag to ask everybody for a scoop of their lunch. Then how, that's how I had lunch. Or I would do your homework for you and you give me your lunch. Survival right there, right? My parents were really hardworking, but still, our family was so big that they were not able to take care of all of us. My dad was a security guard at night, and during the day, he was a tailor. He worked 24-7. My mom brewed illegal liquor. We call it in the local language, Chang'a, or rather the Kenyan moonshine. <laughs> and so growing up, the first things I saw in our home was people drinking. It was a stinky home. People yelling, people dancing, people calling each other names, people fighting, sometimes not even handling my mom the right way. And I thought that was normal. The closest school that my parents could afford was two hours walk away from home. And that was bare feet. I walked two hours bare feet to school and two hours back from school. I didn't even have a backpack for school. I used a grocery bag to carry my books. I tell you, it wasn't until when I was seven years of age when at this point I'd say death was arrested and my life began. Amen? At seven years of age, through my local church, I was introduced to the Compassion Program. And from this day, my life has never been the same again. I was introduced to my first sponsor, who sponsored me for one and a half years. She was in college. I wore my first pair of shoes when I was seven years. In fact, I didn't even put them on the first day. I put them in my grocery bag, walked to school bare feet. When I got outside of the school gate, that's when I put my new shoes, and I was kicking all the rocks so everybody could notice that I, was, I had shoes. It was a special moment of my life. I still remember the shoes, too. From this day, I was in school all the time. We came from not eating three, four, five times days in a week to eating four times every day. I had new clothes. This was the first time in my life when somebody told me three magical words. I love you. I know it's pretty normal here in the States where after every phone call you hear that. I didn't hear that until when I was seven. Don't get me wrong, my parents loved me, and I knew they loved me, but they never had a chance to tell me that. They were so busy trying to give us a survival that my father had never turned back to me and told me, son, I love you, though I knew he was there. I tell you, hearing that changed my life. For the first time, I started dreaming of a future. For the first time, I had hope. My sponsors told me that they had a picture of me on their refrigerator. For the first time, I was told that I was cute, and I was handsome, and I had the cutest smile they'd ever seen. Isn't that true? <laughs> My sponsors told me that they prayed for me, thought of me, told me that 
I was destined for greatness. They told me that poverty wasn't my destiny. They often told me about Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not says poverty. Not says the situation I was in. Not says the script that the society had told me was my story. But says the Lord. Plans to give you a future and a hope. For the first time, a future and a hope was something to think of. I was loved. I ate every day. I had shoes. My parents didn't have to fight who, who's going to eat today or who's not going to eat. Sometimes in families in the slum, people take turns. Who's gonna, somebody eats Monday. If you have five of you, you've got to wait until it's your day to eat. You eat Monday, another one eats Tuesday, another one eats Wednesday. You've got to wait until it's your day to eat. My parents didn't have to go through that anymore. Because somebody just like you, who'd never seen me, picked up a packet and thought this smile was so cute to ignore. <laughs> I went through elementary school, and at 14, I almost lost my eyesight. I had an infection that was hereditary. And were it not for the fact that I was enrolled in the compassion program, my parents would be fighting whether they were going to feed the rest of the family or take me to, a, to get my eyes fixed. But since I had somebody who cared for me, my eyes got fixed. In fact, I just checked my vision a few months ago, and my vision now is 20 out of 20. And if you've never seen a miracle, there's one standing in front of you right now. You, know, you, don't, you don't just get good medication in Kenya. I went to a government high school. There's only three ways to go to a government high school in Kenya. Say that your father is a politician or you're from a rich family or you got really good grades that nobody can ignore. My father wasn't a politician, neither was my father a rich man. But I got good grades because I was in school all the time. And I went to government high school. I promise you, I worked so hard in high school for one reason. Not to make myself proud or to make my parents proud, but to make my sponsors proud. They told me that they believed in me, and I didn't want to disappoint them. They told me that if I got good grades, they were going to pay for my college. I worked super hard, not to even feel good about myself, but just to not disappoint them. I cleared high school, and two months before I did my finals in high school, something crazy happened. Every Saturday, we went to the Compassion Center and did something called the Saturday Club. And we prayed, they taught us about Jesus, they taught us about trades and skills that you could use in life. And above all, they gave us a special meal of the week with meat, a mountain of beans and rice. Promise you we'd move those mountains. <laughs> and this one day, I was headed home from the Compassion Center, and I saw smoke from a distance. And the culture in the slums is if you see smoke, it's time for you to stop everything you're doing and run towards the smoke because... There's a fire and you need to go rescue. We don't have a good system where you can call 911 and the firefighters will be there. Everybody's a self-made firefighter over there. So I ran towards the smoke and unfortunately when I got there, our home was one of 400 that had caught fire. And this is the first day I've ever seen my dad cry. I got there and my dad was so broken. Being a young man in a teenage, learning how to be a man from my father, the same father who would tell you it'll be fine three days after not having a single meal, 
could not look at me in the face and tell me it's going to be okay. And I was so broken and devastated. And I got so mad at everybody and everything and God. And I just didn't want life anymore. And I decided to turn around and just become a normal Mazaritz boy. At least I'd lived two years more than my lifespan, so I felt a little older. So I went into the wrong gang, started hanging out with the wrong people. It didn't take long before the compassion staff figured out that I wasn't showing up. I tell you, they came to the riskiest part of the ghetto to come find me, took me to his office, gave me a cup of tea, and asked me what was going on. I explained it to him, and guess what he reminded me? He reminded me of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope. We believed in our compassion staff so much that anything they told us was true. We thought it was true. He told me to rededicate my life to Christ and see what God was going to do. I did that, cleared high school, got good grades, even though I didn't have books to study. When I cleared high school, my parents retired. And in our culture, when your parents retire, the boys take care of them. So I had an option to either go to college or take care of my parents. Of course, I chose my parents over college. I, started, I tried employment. It didn't work for me. But I remember that I had a trade that I learned in compassion. And music was my trade. And I started singing in local churches. And I started singing in crusades. And one day I met this guy who owned the biggest record label in Kenya, and he signed me. And I toured the country, and I was on TV and radio and newspapers. And for the first time in my story, there was no hopelessness. In my story, there was Jesus. Attached to my name wasn't Madare, and the bad things that come with Madare. Attached to my name was hope. And I moved on with my life, met my wife. Now I live in Colorado. <laughs> it's my beautiful family out there. <laughs> I have two kids, a five-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl. And three years ago, something, another big event happened. Three years ago, I kept in touch with my sponsor, when, even when I moved here and I grew up out of the program. And three years ago, he retired from the Air Force. And I watched his retirement ceremony. And when he was given his retirement certificate, I felt like somebody needed to step into his shoes and fill in. And there was not going to be any other person but me. So I enlisted into, into the United States Army. And I am part of the United States Army Corps of Engineers. And I am a real story of somebody who was not born free but it's free from poverty in Jesus' name. In our call in the army, we say we are guardians of freedom. There was no other way I would have let that just slide. He guarded the freedom of the country. He guarded my freedom. I could have died. I tell you, were it not for compassion coming into my life, I could have been part of the statistics of what happens in poverty. I could have been a blind man today. But I am here today because somebody just like you believed in what compassion does and took the chance and believed and said, hey, I'm going to sponsor this child for $38 a month. I ate every day, I went to school, and I am here today alive and free. You see, before Jesus died, 
he probably knew like, hey, I'm dying next week. He was like, I preached for 33 years. Is it, go- is it just going to end with me? And what he did to make sure that the gospel was going to continue even after his death and resurrection and eternity, he sent his disciples with a commission and told them, go ye into the world and make disciples of all nations. And these disciples would become disciples who would make disciples who would become disciples who would make disciples who would become disciples who would make disciples like me. And so when you sponsor a child with compassion, you're not just meeting the needs of food, education, medical care. You are being part of the Great Commission. Above all, the things that I treasure the most that compassion gave me is compassion introduced me to Jesus. They filled my stomach and filled my spirit. Amen? And so today you have the chance to join many others and sponsor a child today and release them from poverty in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray over you. Dear God, thank you for marrying Covenant Church. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for showing your faithfulness. Thank you for Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For you have plans for so many other kids out there. And today their story is going to change. Today their story is going to have your name in it. Today hopelessness is getting faded out of their lives. Today Marine Covenant Church is going to be part of the Great Commission, God. And thank you for choosing them specifically. Today it is not by chance. It is not an accident. Today you are here with us, and you're going to commission us to go sponsor the kids and change a life and free people from poverty in Jesus' name. We love you, God, and just thank you for being here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.